We're talking about forgiveness today. We're talking about uh, this idea of forgiveness, which is tricky because all of us have some idea in our mind what forgiveness is, what forgiveness means. Forgiveness, just so we're on the same page and this won't be on the screen, is to excuse for a fault or offense, maybe to pardon somebody, to renounce anger or resentment against somebody, or to absolve from payment maybe of a debt. So, so somebody owes you something or somebody did something to you and you forgive them, that you're, you're letting them go from any penalty that they have to pay for what they did for their action or any payment that they have to pay to repay whatever it is that they owe you. And so forgiveness is something that's really tricky because, again, we all have some idea in our minds about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness means. And I would say that most of us, all of us probably, if we're, if we're honest, we all want forgiveness when we've done something wrong. Like when we feel like we have offended someone or, you know, as maybe some of us in the room can relate to, maybe you owe something, you owe money, you owe a payment, you owe something to someone. We want to be forgiven of that debt. We want to be forgiven of this action that we've done. But we're not as quick, most of us, some of you are very holy in the room and this doesn't apply to you, but most of us are not as quick to forgive. If somebody owes you money, you, you want them to pay you that money back, right? If someone has offended you, they've done something to you, you would like for them to acknowledge in some way that they know what you know, that they were a big meanie and they hurt your feelings, right? That's what we want them to do. We want them to acknowledge that in some form or fashion. And so... Forgiveness is this really tricky thing because it is a two-way street, but we really lean into one side of that, and sometimes we don't really get involved in the second side of that. I I know the third definition there talked about this idea of debt, forgiving a payment that's required or forgiving a debt. Debt is an easy thing to connect to forgiveness, especially for those of us who are believers or maybe we go to God's word and we look for truth because this is a place and these are some words that God and Jesus when he was on earth joined together to help us understand the idea of forgiveness. And so I was thinking about debt. My wife and I are trying to do, you know, as any good stewards of God's resources would do, we're trying to make sure we don't have any debt. And so we're trying to pay things off. And we've got student loans and all kind, we've got a mortgage. We've got all kinds of things. And so we're attempting to budget wisely and spend wisely and pay things off wisely so that we don't have these things kind of weighting our family's finances down. And we have four kids. For those of you that attend here regularly, they're eight, six, four, and two. And they are increasingly costing more money to us. And I'm not really sure how that happened. And so we want to make Make sure we have enough money to do the things that we want to do with our kids. And so we have been utilizing some principles by Dave Ramsey. He's not the, he doesn't have the niche in the corner market there, but he's a, a guy that deals with finances, especially from a biblical perspective. And so we've been looking at that. And he tells a story about a couple, kind of like us, who had some debt. And they made, this couple, they made an average, their household income was about $60,000 a year. And they had debt, including their mortgage. So between student loans and consumer debt, including their house that they had, they had debt of about $300,000. So they had their mortgage, they had some consumer debt, student loans, they had about $300,000 in debt. They made $60,000 a year. And so Dave tells the story of this couple who decided that they they didn't any longer want to have any debt. They decided they were going to just really set their focus on getting out of debt. Dave's idea is that you live like no one else now so you can live like no one else in the future. You're going to really be frugal with everything you have to pay out of debt and get out from under the pressure of that so you have more expendable income down the road to give generously and to spend generously and do anything you want to with your money. 
And so this couple decided that's what they were going to do. So they sold a lot of things that they no longer felt like they really had to have or they really needed to do life in the way that they you know, really had to do life. And so they sold some things and they used that money to pay off some of their debt. And they got some part-time jobs, both of them, to really put extra money on top of their $60,000 a year income. They put some extra money towards the debt through these part-time jobs. They budgeted very wisely. They really kind of lived as frugally as possible. And with a 60000 household income plus the extra, I know that that's above and beyond that they were able to make through their part-time jobs and selling things. They were able to pay off their $300,000 in debt in just a little over six years, which is amazing to me. When I hear that, I'm thinking, well, I can never do that. It's going to be 60 years before I pay that much debt off. But I was amazing, amazing to hear that story. And then the story wasn't over. So what they decided to do is we've, we've refined the way that we live, and we do want to reap the benefits of this. We're going to be able to give more and save more and plan and do some things for our future. But how amazing do we feel, this couple was saying, how amazing do we feel not having the weight and the burden of this debt? And so we want to take part of our money every month and we want to give it to other people attempting out of debt. So I've got their address today if you want to write them and ask them to send you. No, I'm just kidding. But they decided they were going to give some of their money and give it to other people who were trying to get out of debt. And they were going to take, you know, some of that money, maybe some month, and give it to a friend or a family member so that they could maybe finish paying off a credit card or really add a second payment to their student loan payment or double up a payment on their mortgage or a lot of different things. And so this happened about eight or ten years ago that they were able to get out of debt. And so the story is really unfinished because they continue to do this even to this day. And so I thought about I thought of how many people in, in the circle of influence of that couple are now out of debt or potentially on their way to being out of debt because of the seeds that were planted by this couple who experienced the forgiveness of their debt by paying it off. And so, you know, I thought, man, that's an incredible story. And I began to think about how Christ on earth used the illustration of debt and forgiveness together to really help us to understand what forgiveness is all about. And so if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we've been in the, the, the series called The Prayer for the last couple of weeks. We've got one more week after this. Pastor Mark will be with us next week to conclude this series as we finish up looking at the Lord's Prayer and looking at the idea of prayer. And we've used Matthew chapter 6 as our baseline to look at that. And so I want us to read together the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. <clears throat> this is what it says. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now verse 12 is where we're going to hang today. And it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so there is definitely this coupling of the idea of forgiveness and debt. And Jesus uses those words together to help us understand the idea of forgiveness. Now, forgiveness, again, is tricky because we all have a different idea of forgiveness. And some of you have been hurt really, really deeply. You've been wounded very deeply. And so maybe someone came to you to seek forgiveness from how they have wounded you. Maybe they didn't do that. Maybe you still carry with you a deep-rooted wound hurt, cut, pain, emotional scarring from something that someone did to you or about you or in your presence or something happened and they've never come back and asked for forgiveness. And so now you still carry with you that wound. 
And so you, you think through the lens of forgiveness about how there's still unforgiveness maybe. Or there was no attempt to bring about forgiveness on the behalf of the person that did the wounding to you. Maybe some of us, we think, maybe just because we're in this room or maybe this is a part of our complete understanding of forgiveness. But we think through the lens of our relationship to Jesus Christ. For those that are believers, maybe you had a story. Maybe you had a past. Maybe you had some really big issues, some big sin issues. You know, the ones that the church really loves to preach about. And you were one of those people. And somewhere in your past, some day, some moment... You experienced the love of God that we've been singing about and you prayed a prayer or you had an altar experience, a moment of prayer and someone maybe led you in this sinner's prayer. They led you into an acknowledgement of your sinfulness and your need for God and for his forgiveness or some other variation of that kind of story. And you experienced the forgiveness of your sin. And I think there's a two-way street here when it comes out of that because some of us, we live in that forgiveness and we have no problem rejecting our past and living in the present and in the future because of the grace of God. Others of us, we walk in our relationship with God hanging on to our past. Even though we believe we've been forgiven, we also can't forget what God did for us and what we did toward him. And so we struggle sometimes to let go of the past and the mistakes that we've made. And so we try to live in that. So some of us this morning, we're living in the complete and utter and total and full forgiveness of God, not even thinking about our past or understanding that it's all washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ. And some of us believe that, and yet we struggle ourselves to forgive ourselves or to believe that God can fully forgive and forget our past. And so Jesus uses this illustration of forgiveness and debt right in the middle of teaching us how to pray. He doesn't just say, you know, forgive us of all the wrong things we've done and then leave it at that because he wants us to understand that there is two components, two parts of forgiveness. It's not just what we receive, which is the first part of this prayer, but it's also what we have the ability to give. Now, the word debt here is not, especially when we're talking about to God, forgive us our debts. That word is not about money. The word debt there is related to our sin. It is related to our separation from God. Forgive us of our shortcomings in relationship with a holy and righteous God. And so it is, and depending on the translation, it may have already spelled it out. Forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, forgive us our transgressions. Whatever your version says, this is the idea that we have fallen short, and Romans reminds us of this. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of living in right standing with God. And then Jesus continues this phrase in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, when he says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, this is not about sins necessarily. This can be. It's a larger understanding of this word. It can be about money. It can be about trans, the trespasses or transgressions against us. So it can be a lot of different things. But the idea being here is, you know, Christ is saying, forgive us, Father in heaven, forgive us of anything that we've done to separate us from you as we also have forgiven anybody here that's done anything towards us. Anything. They owe us $5 or they stabbed us one time. So whatever it is, that spectrum, right? Anything that they've done and and they need forgiveness from us. As we are forgiving them, God also forgive us. Now, there's a really tricky part to this whole scenario. And if you read through the Gospels, the Gospels being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, you read through the stories of the life of Jesus Christ here on earth. He references several times, including just two verses later, He references the idea that if we don't forgive, it's difficult for God to forgive us. 
I mean, if you read into the later New Testament writings in the book of James, I think in the book of First Peter, there is the idea that somehow us forgiving others is connected to God's ability or God's desire to forgive us. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want to read at the end of the Lord's Prayer. I want to read verses 14 and 15. This is what we've been reading And this is right after what we've been reading. So we finished there and said, but deliver us from the evil one. This is what it says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you, this is after the prayer, for if you, Jesus still talking, men, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. It sounds like there's something required of you to do before God can forgive you. But verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I don't know about you, but that stings me a little. That rubs me the wrong way because I've always been taught that I couldn't earn God's forgiveness. And yet Jesus here seems to be implying that if I don't forgive other people, God won't forgive me. But if I do forgive other people, then God will forgive me. And we're going to unpack that a little more in just the next few minutes. But here's what I want us to understand. If I am truly seeking the forgiveness of God, it is impossible For me to hold on to the hurts of the earth. Now, here's why, okay? Here's why. Because the forgiveness of God that I seek is about something that lasts beyond the earth. Okay? So I'm seeking God for forgiveness for eternity. I'm seeking God for something that lasts longer than I'm being I'm gonna be alive if I if I believe what the scriptures say here about the relationship, the eternal relationship that I can have with God. Because as we sang about, for God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. And so if I'm believing that I am now engaged in a relationship with God, I am believing that that relationship with God lasts longer than my short time span here on the earth. I am believing that I'm engaging, I'm entering into a relationship with God that will last for eternity. It will be everlasting. And so, if I seek that forgiveness, I am now, and we, t- we referenced this a little earlier in the series, I am now saying, I want to be a member of, I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want to I engage in, I want to be a, a citizen, a resident, a member of the kingdom where God himself will rule and reign. And so, if that's the case, then I can't live in two worlds. I can't live in two kingdoms. I must decide, do I want to live in the kingdom of God where God rules and reigns and where he's the one that administers forgiveness? Or do I want to try to maintain citizenship in this world where I get to make my own decisions and where I get to look at someone and say, I don't forgive you. I don't forgive you for what you did. I'm the one that decides who deserves and who does not deserve mercy and grace. Or do I choose to live in the kingdom of God where he rules and reigns and he has decided that grace and mercy, especially that that he administers, is not something that I get to decide. And that's hard for church folks. That's real hard for church folks. Because we like to look at people and decide if they belong in the kingdom of God or not. Right? This is not even about forgiveness and unforgiveness. This is about looking at people and going... I, I know what you say that you believe, but I don't think you believe it by the things that I see in you. Right? We look at people and we decide that even though they declare with their lips, with their lives, that God has forgiven them, surely he's not done with them yet. Right? And we have decided that we want to take residence in two kingdoms. 
We want to take residence in the kingdom of God where he's the one that rule and reign. He's the one that rules and reign. He's the one that administers grace and mercy. He's the one that administers forgiveness. And we also want to live in our kingdom where we get to decide who's worthy of the kingdom of God. And so I think this idea here is that I cannot live in a place where I seek forgiveness and don't administer it as well. Because as a citizen of the kingdom, I am saying that I want to reflect the king. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want when people look at me to know immediately that I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And it's impossible. Let me say that one more time so you know how serious I am right here. And I'm getting real passionate here. It's impossible for you to be a a citizen of the kingdom of God and not be a forgiving person. Impossible. Everybody with me still? Yeah, we're good. I got two yeses. That's okay. I'll take those two and believe everybody else whispered it. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to continue looking at another example of this idea of forgiveness and debt, which is found in Matthew 18. You can flip there if you want to. Matthew 18 is a a, a really cool chapter in scripture. There's several things. Maybe if you've heard the idea where someone offends you and how are you supposed to respond? We have this as a staff culture at our church. You know, we talk about Matthew 18. It's, it's the way we approach people that we believe have offended us. But to really illustrate the point that I want to talk about today out of Matthew 18, I'm going to need some help. So I've asked Trevor Heinemann, who's our student pastor, and David Real to come here. David, come on. So Trevor and David are going to help me with an illustration. It's a parable that Jesus tells in the chapter, Matthew chapter 18. So Trevor, I want you to stand right here. You're going to be the king, okay? Fittingly, right? Yeah. David, you're going to be a peasant, awesome. all right? You're a that. slave. All right, so... David's a slave. Trevor's the king. I also am playing the part of slave. Thank you very much. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. We're going to act out the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 18. Here's what happened. The the king and I, slave, am in a conversation. And the king tells me, you owe me. And no matter what you read here, and it might be confusing because we don't use the same currency system. Know this, when, when it says in Matthew 18, depending on your translation, that the slave owed maybe 10,000 of whatever denomination is, is referenced in your scripture uh, version, here's what it really relates to. If it was the Jewish version of, uh, of, of currency, it was more than $10 million, okay? So I, a slave, owe the king more than $10 million, and the king says to me in his kingly voice, and I'm not going to ask you to do this because that would be embarrassing, the king says to me, the slave, I'm going to put you in prison, and I'm going to put you in prison, and I'm going to kind of take all your friends and all your family members, and they're going to be responsible for your debt. I'm going to throw some of them in prison, some of them are going to work until they pay off the debt that you owe me, and then you'll get out of prison. Now, as a slave... There's no way that I can think me or my friends and I don't have enough friends to pay off $10 million. Okay, I'm looking for some friends that will help me with that if any of you are gifted in that way. So the king says to me, you owe me $10 million. And so what do I, a slave that knows I cannot pay that amount of debt? What do I do? I I hit my knees and I'm not going to do that because that's embarrassing too. I hit my knees and I beg the king, king, please, please, please don't put me in jail. Please give me another chance. I will work to repay this debt myself. And this would be like a factory worker in the United States saying, I'm going to work to pay off the national debt of the United States. It's this unbelievable, inconceivable amount of money and inconceivable thing that I could accomplish. But I'm going king. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to pay off everything that I owe you. All $10 million. 
And the king has mercy. Trevor wouldn't. He's mean. But the king has mercy on me, the slave, and says, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll forgive you the debt. I'm not even going to make you work off what you owe me because I know you and I both know you can't do that. And so I'm going to forgive you of the debt that you owe me. And he sets me free. And I get to go out and I don't have to give him a portion of my money to pay off the $10 million for the rest of my life. None of my friends and family are affected by the things that I now owe the king. It's wiped out. It's forgiven. That debt has been forgiven. The king says it's, it's as if you didn't even owe me that anymore. So I'm a pretty happy camper, right? So I go walking out of the king's quarters and I'm walking outside and I bump into David, fellow slave, okay? Fellow slave borrowed 80 bucks from me last week to pay his light bill, okay? So David and I are here and I see him and I go, oh my goodness, I remember now, he hasn't paid me the 80 bucks back he owes me. So I say, David, listen, you owe me 80 bucks. I need it, right? I got to have the 80 bucks. So um, what are you going to do? I really need this. Can you, can you give it to me? Oh, you can't give it to me. You don't have it today. Okay, that's fine. Then I'm going to throw you in jail until you pay me the 80 bucks, right? And then here's what David does. And I'm going to make him act it out because that'll be funny. Hit your knees. And so the, the slave, fellow slave here, just pleads and begs of fellow slave, can you please forgive me? I'll work it off. Keep me out of jail. Did I spit on you? No. No? I don't know what you did that was funny, but it ain't funny. All right, so here... Did you take a picture? That's fine. All right, so... uh, At Jeremy Isaacs. Yeah, thank you, Instagram. All right, so here's what we did. Listen, listen, listen. So fellow slave, I'm saying to him, listen, you owe me 80 bucks. I'm sending you to prison until you pay me back, which somebody said this morning was funny. How are you going to earn money in prison? But we're going to figure something out. You're going to pay me the money you owe me. And so fellow slave hits his knees like I hit my knees over here figuratively in front of the king. And he says, here's what I'm, I'm begging you. Please let me stay out of prison. Let me pay you back. Let me, let me do something. I'll get an extra job. I'll live frugally. Maybe like the couple we talked about earlier. I'll come up with a way to pay you the $80. Can you please? And I said, absolutely not. He grabbed him by the throat. Okay, because I'm a jerk. He grabs him by the throat in this, in this story. Now, he grabs him by the throat and strangles him and eventually goes to throw him in prison. Now, some of you, if we hadn't made this a little lighthearted, some of you would have seen this interaction. You were fellow slaves in the king's chambers and watched the mercy the king showed to me. No, no, don't get on your knees. Yep, yep. He sh- you watched the mercy extended to me and you watched me walk out and mishandle my brother. Brothers? Yeah. All right. So $10 million was forgiven, but I won't forgive $80. And here's what happens. The fellow slaves look at me and see what I've done. And they go and report to the king. Now, I'm playing a second character here. I walk into the king's chambers and I say, listen, here's what this guy did over here. You forgave him $10 million. He wouldn't forgive that guy $80. And then this is what happens. The king calls me in my other part back into his chambers. Right? He calls me back in. And here's what he does. He says, I forgave you of something you could never repay. And yet then you went out and you didn't forgive something that could easily have been repaid. It wasn't a big deal. It didn't have eternal lasting value. It wasn't something that was over your head or beyond your ability. And so now since you have administered no mercy... No grace, I, the king, am in turn going to change my verdict on you, and you are going to go to prison. And you are going to be guilty of paying back every cent that you owe me. Now, thanks so much. Give him a hand. Good job. Good job. 
And this is what the king finished with in Matthew 18, verse 33. He said, and should not you, talking to me, have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Forgive us our debts, God. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses, our transgressions that we could never, ever pay enough to get out of debt with you. As we don't forgive the people that we interact with about the things that hold no eternal value. Forgive me, God, of the things that I've done to you And I seek your forgiveness and I understand it's a free gift and all these things that we sing about and I take for granted. So just give me a dose of forgiveness today, but I refuse to administer forgiveness to my brother, to my sister, to my friend, my family member, my co-worker. I choose to take everything as a personal affront and attack to me and I'm going to stay bitter about it. I'm going to stay hurt about it, and I refuse to do anything to administer to them the same grace that I received from you. That's our actual prayer. This prayer that Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6 is just a figment of our imagination. It's just a fairy tale. None of us live that, right? No, we want to. We want to. I think deep down we desire to. But what we do is we lose sight of what's really important. We lose sight of what's eternal and what's not. We lose the ability to see that if I'm truly forgiven by God, then I must forgive my neighbor. I mean, they asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? And he said, love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. I got to love him in the same way that I want to be loved. I got to forgive him in the same way I want to be forgiven. I've got to extend grace and mercy in the same way I want to receive grace and mercy. And yet I seek the forgiveness of God and shut off the forgiveness toward others. It's it's a hard place to live because I don't know how we put up with our own hypocrisy. I don't know how we do it. And I'm just as guilty. I don't know how we do it. And yet Jesus continues to remind us that we must forgive. We must forgive. As a part of seeking God's forgiveness. Not only that, if we are the one that has done the hurting, Scripture tells us that I'm on the hook to seek forgiveness. Right? It says that if if anything's been done, whether I'm on the receiving end or the giving end, before I go and seek forgiveness from God, i got to make sure it's right. i got to make sure that if I'm the one who has been hurt and they still haven't come to me, i got to go to them. i got to rush to them and I've got to say, listen, I am seeking forgiveness. The forgiveness of God. And before I do that, I want to make sure you and I are good. I want to forgive you for what you did. That sounds scary to some of us. 
If I'm the one who's done the hurt, whether it was yesterday or a year ago or 10 years ago, if I want to seek the forgiveness of God, I do believe that there's a part of that that requires me to try to make amends. I don't think you have to go back and do every stinking little thing unless you feel like God's calling you to do that. But I think we can't just allow unforgiveness and hurt and pain to linger there. And then we just want God to just clean us up and forgive us. I think there's a part of it where I must seek forgiveness. There's this cool, really, there's this Jewish idea as I'm closing here. And I actually found out about this in the greatest show in the history of television. It's called West Wing. I found out about this in an episode in season four called The Day Before. At the end of that episode, the president has his inner circle there in the, in the Oval Office. And they start talking about this Jewish principle. Yom Kippur is a day where we seek forgiveness. Jews do. They, they seek forgiveness of God. But the day before Yom Kippur is called Erev Yom Kippur. And before you can go and seek forgiveness of God, you must go and seek forgiveness of those that you may have some issue with here on earth. Erev Yom Kippur is the day before we seek forgiveness from God. And so, even if you're not a Jew in this room... I do believe that that principle is something that even in the new covenant of the New Testament, in the teachings of Jesus, that he connects the forgiveness between brothers and sisters to the forgiveness that we seek from God. And so in one really short, succinct, four-letter sentence, here's what I want you to walk away with today. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call me out. If I say that I have been forgiven by God and I do not give forgiveness, I would challenge what you say you are. I, 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 would, I would really want me and you to look inside of our heart and see if we are truly a forgiven people, not just forgiven of our trespasses, but citizens of the kingdom where God rules and reigns. Because as a citizen of that kingdom, I want to reflect the nature of the king. I want to look like the king. I want to act like the king. I want to represent the kingdom by my actions. And I believe that a forgiven people forgives people. And this extends beyond this principle. I mean, this is larger. I could talk on this for six weeks, right? You know why? Because hurt people hurt people. People that have been hurt tend to lash out and hurt other people. Hurt people hurt people. Found people find people. If I live in an atmosphere where I believe that God came and found me in my sinfulness and he forgave me, I want to go looking for people who need to be found. That's why we started this campus. We came to Canton to reach the 85,000 unchurched people that live within seven miles of where you're sitting this morning. And we believed, and I still believe, that God found us. He came after us. And now we're supposed to go after people. Found people, find people. Forgiven people, forgive people. And so here's what this looks like for me and you today. 
two possible scenarios. There's probably a thousand variations, but two possible scenarios. The first is that I myself am not a forgiven person by God. Not because he doesn't want to, but because I've never sought it. I've never approached God. Or maybe I have, but I know for sure I've walked away from living a life that honors and pleases God. And so I stand today and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I'm a sinful man. I know that I have done you wrong. I know that I'm not living in a way that honors you. I'm not doing anything according to what you've given to me as the way that I should live according to your kingdom. And I need to be forgiven. That's the first. The second is I'm forgiven. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And today I need to forgive someone. I need to forgive somebody. Maybe more than one somebody. But I'm the kind of person that has held on to unforgiveness. I, need, I just need to let them go. I need to release that. I may live in the same house that they do. I might have used to live in the same house they did. Maybe a coworker, a friend, they may live in my neighborhood. I may just barely know them. We're acquaintances, but they did something that cut me so deep and I've never let it go. And let me say to you, it is affecting everything, whether you believe it or not. And so if you are forgiven, you need to forgive. The flip side of that is you, you may have hurt somebody and you, you need to get their forgiveness. Even if they don't want to give it, you've got you to take the step to go and seek it out. Like some of you, when you get in your car, the first conversation is not, where are we going for lunch? You're going to pick up your phone and you're going to call somebody and say, I am so sorry for what I did to you. Or I need to let you know that what you did to me, I still carry to this day and I want to forgive you. Forgiven people forgive people. Hurt people hurt people. And you don't think it's affecting anybody else, but it's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your relationship with your kids. It's affecting you on your job. It's affecting you as a part of a church family because there is a shield up to try to protect your hurt. Let it go. Let it go. Forgive me, O God, of my debts as I forgive those who owe me 80 bucks. Who did something to me that they probably don't remember or maybe they do, but it's so small. So little. In the greater scheme of eternity, I got to let it go. Forgiven people, forgive people. I'm going to ask the band to come. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your head right where you're at. Nobody's looking around. This is you kind of seeking your heart, your life, the things that God is doing in and through you. Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to ask forgiveness of today? What do you need God to forgive you of today?
Forgiven people forgive people. God, I thank you so much that you love us. I've been singing about it. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, that you forgive. Thank you that you give grace and mercy to us. Thank you that you initiated love to us. I thank you that forgiveness is found through your son on the cross. But for a room full of people this morning, we're human, we're flawed, we're hurt. We have hurt people. And so as we attempt to wrap our arms and our minds around forgiveness, I pray today that you would give us the strength to forgive. Before we seek forgiveness from you, that you would help us to forgive those who have hurt us. You would give us the strength to approach those that we have hurt to make it right. They may be receptive, they may not, but we're only accountable for us. And so we just choose to try and go make it right. And God, ultimately, we all seek forgiveness from you. Because we know that the debt that we owe to you is one that we can never repay. We can't atone for our own sin. We can't pay the price for our own sin. Your word tells us we can't be good enough to earn right standing with the Father. And yet the eternal always connects to what's happening here on earth in the way that we live in this now but not yet kingdom. And we want to be a part of your kingdom. And so we choose to live here on this earth as citizens that reflect the nature of the king. And the king is forgiving. The king gives mercy to people we probably don't think deserve it. The king forgives people we would have pushed out. So God, I pray today that you would help us to reflect the king and the kingdom as we forgive others. In Jesus' name we pray.